Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, prohibited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Support the podcast on Patreon by joining the It's All Cobblers To Me fan club. Every month, you'll receive access to exclusive bonus content, such as our Meet the Staff series, hear our player interviews before anyone else, and be invited to regular meetups. By joining the fan club, you'll be helping us to continue our sponsorship of NTFC women's player Abby Bruin and enable us to keep the podcast and all our other content going to the high standards you expect. To join the fan club, go to patreon.com forward slash cobblers to me. Brain again, and he's got it! Gavin was closing in. Oh, Gavin has scored! Abdul Osman against Brad Jones to put Liverpool out of the cup and not after three! Yeah! Hello, I'm Charles Cummings and this is It's All Cobblers to Me. There's lots to talk about this week, so it's my pleasure to say hello to Danny Brothers, Jesse Coleman and Neil Egerton. How are you doing, guys? You okay? Hello. Hello. Hello, Charles. It's uh, Egerton, not Egerton. Thank you. It's been over a year now. Come on. But it's for Danny to go egg, egg, egg. Good point. Well made. Egg, 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 egg. E-I-E-I-E-I. Hello, Charles. Lovely. How's your week been then, guys? Have you done anything to write home about? No, I went to watch the Saints today. Did you? Yeah, I did. Egg, 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 egg. Yeah, I won't won't be going back again soon. Um, Apart from that, nothing to report. The the 49ers, the San Francisco 49ers, Charles, they've made it through to the semifinals. For those that don't understand it, we'll call it the semifinals. That's all I've got. Is this the the, uh, Super Mega Bowl semifinals? The super duper mega bowl semifinals, the World Cup of American football. Mm-hmm. You're spending a lot of time with different shaped balls this week, is what you're saying. I've been diversi- diversifying my ball intake, shall we say. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Well, before we get into this week's show, how would you like to win some cobbler's tickets? 
Oh, yes. Oh, oh, yes. Well, we've released our 2020 listener survey, and by completing it, you'll be entered into the draw to win a pair of tickets to a Cobbler's home game this season, or indeed next. Uh, You'll find the link to complete the survey in the show notes, as well as on our website, cobblerstome.com, and social media. So help us to shape the podcast, and at the same time, you can win a great prize. Sounds great, doesn't it, guys? You slipped into Jim Bowen a bit there, Charles. <laughs> I was going to say, it sounds a great prize, and it's a worthy survey to fill in. You, however, Charles, don't sound too great. <laughs> well, um, if, we, if we get into it, we can find out why. I'm Nicky Adams, and it's all cobblers to me. Salford was quite good when I went to the game at the weekend. Um, who wants to start? Great result. Can we start with the Did you go to the Keys? Can we start with that? <laughs> no, I didn't. Because that's, that's, that's what all our listeners are going to be wanting to hear about. You didn't go to the Keys? No, well, no, we spent most of the day in Manchester. That's ridiculous. Sorry to disappoint you. <laughs> it's like going to Chippenham and not going to the, um, what's it called, Folk Festival. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you couldn't get anywhere in Chippenham that day, remember? You couldn't. It was, it was uh, um, something with a big crowd. Um, packed. Packed, yeah. <laughs> so come Rant. on and what did we think about the Salford game great win good three points performance so-so three points most important coming from behind as well I think I like that like we, know, good... we know you do Danny we know good to reverse the scoreline I would say um, and we did it well I was very surprised because in the first I'd say five minutes or so, we looked really, really good. And then all of a sudden, we capitulated a little bit. Salford took control of the game, scored first, and then we got what I would say was a goal against the run of play when Sam Hoskins equalised. And, and then I'm guessing Curl gave them a rocketing at half-time and they came out with a better team then. It's a good indication, isn't it, of, of where we are at the moment because... I think, although our performances don't seem to be much to write home about, um, they've, they've got confidence and they've got enough about them to, um, to turn results like that around. Because really, we didn't have much right to win that game. But it's, it's kind of going for us at the moment, which helps. I think we appreciate more as well, not necessarily performances that are the greatest, but performances that are a bit backed against the wall and you will get through it. And I think uh, Charlie Goode's, performance in particular I think from what people have been saying w- was pretty good in defence and I think they're, they're fairly solid at the moment I think they're on to something and, and I think that game may but well be a reflection of the season really it's when you're under pressure you get the job done. See I saw some stuff on Twitter after the game saying that it it wasn't the best performance now I actually quite enjoyed it I'll be honest watching the game but I'm wondering whether it was just I was caught up in the you know, whole away day atmosphere of the place rather than maybe seeing the game as I would do normally when I'm on my own and just turning up, attending the game and going home again. I, I, I mean, do you guys get the impression that maybe that wasn't one of our best performances of the year? Yeah, absolutely. I watched the game on iFollow. Did you take a trip to Switzerland? 
got the plane to, to Switzerland early yesterday morning uh, and then <laughs> half time decided to nip over to Germany to watch the second half but yeah so I watched it all um, I didn't think it was a particularly great performance it wasn't a bad performance either by, by all means but I just didn't think it was a particularly controlling or we didn't look like a team that was gunning for automatic promotion but what we did look like was a team that knew what they were supposed to be doing uh, which is good and mm. we showed character I think we gave away quite a few opportunities but equally there was that you said didn't you Charles there was the first sort of five or ten minutes where we did look really good and then we dropped off and then in the second half at the start of the second half I think they had the first sort of five or ten minutes and then we had a spell of about 15 minutes where we probably should have scored a couple of goals I think Vidane was guilty of missing a couple wasn't he I don't know I I don't really see Vidane Oliver as being a goal machine he's no, more he's not. it's not his game is it yeah no it's not exactly but he is Brilliant at what he does. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Look, yeah, he, I, I love Vidane, and I, I think he's been one of those signings. I think we all in the summer when when we signed him, we all sort of dismissed it. Dismissed it. Sorry, dismissed it. We dismissed it. I can't say that word, so I'm going to stop saying it. But we <laughs> we didn't see it as a very good signing at all, did we? And you know, he was coming he come from Morecambe and stuff. But actually, what he's brought to the team is is is, is effort, energy. He's a real nuisance up front. Um, which has been great and I think you're right he's not a goal scorer but he did miss a couple of chances um, as did a couple of other people um, but I think overall you know the three points is the most important thing and as as the weeks go by then that is what's going to be key isn't it the three points is always mm. going to be the most important thing performance is almost secondary I, I did, right. sorry I'll just finish I did, I did, did you read the, the comments from their manager no I haven't so he said something along the lines of really it, even if they'd have drawn the game, he'd have been massively frustrated because he thought they created so many chances to win the game. I don't think that quite rings true. I actually thought a draw probably would have been a fair result. I don't think, I don't remember them creating loads and loads and loads of clear-cut chances. There was a couple, but then we had a couple as well. Hmm. Is it Graham Alexander? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so he's a prick. <clears throat> yes another manager that Neil doesn't like Um, I wanted to actually talk about Nicky Adams performance because I I thought he really stepped up his game on on Saturday Um, right from the word go uh, if you look at anything like uh, any of the highlight packages that are available the very first chance you get to see comes from Nicky Adams and maybe that goal last weekend against Burton has maybe I don't want to say revitalised because it's not like he's been playing badly, but it's given him an extra gear maybe to step into. Mm. I think that's like a big part of our whole squad now, isn't it? There seems to be something that's clicked in quite a few of the players that's now like, it's not a let's get through the season and we're going to finish mid-table. It's like, oh, there's there's something to look at and something to fight for now. And Adams is pretty much the prime example of that. And he drives us on now and he's, he seems to have a little bit of a different attitude to to games that that we now know that we've come through half the season and we can compete and we can win games that they've got that trust in each other and if he goes forward he knows that someone's going to be filling in behind him um, he knows if he creates a chance for someone they might well put it away um, and it, it's kind of indicative of the whole squad I think They've also had uh, several things haven't they that have happened in the last couple of weeks that would echo what Danny's saying They've had the result at Burton. They've had over a thousand fans at, at Salford, and then they've got the Derby game coming up, where they know they're going to be on TV and they're going to get a huge backing. 
those kinds of little things add up to what Danny's saying and that confidence in that dressing room and that will to want to do well, that's what comes with that. And I think a lot of people are sceptical about um, the Derby game because we didn't get that big team. But actually, it's going to be a huge amount of work for behind the scenes and, and how the confidence is in that dressing room. So actually, I think it's a real positive. And the fans at the moment are, are just riding this, this high that we seem to be on. Um, and to, to be honest, it's not really reflective of necessarily the poor performances. But like Danny said, something has clicked at the club at the moment. There's something going right. Yeah, I, I definitely echo that, I think. And it does look like on Twitter, a lot of the other fans and the listeners have been saying pretty much the same. We had um, Gary come back and say it was a good game. Uh, the fact that, well, Mike Fuller was very, very appreciative of Babs's great pie and chips at half time um, and he's also you, quite glad that his kids aren't crying anymore did you have uh, an experience any of Babs's food Charles <laughs> I did I did I had a nice meat and potato pie at half time was it as good as Mike says do you know what it wasn't bad I actually did enjoy it it was a, it was probably the best pie I've ever had at a football match that is really bold statement i will say that i've not been to any of those grounds i don't think where they say that they do have the best pies in the league kidderminster um, yeah kid, like, I, it's not kidderminster, kidderminster, yeah. Like the league, but it used to be amazing mm-hmm. the, Never been. The, chi- the chip shop outside the rochdale away end well i've been that but that's a chip shop i oh, know it doesn't count really i guess because no. it's actually technically outside of yeah outside of the ground yeah fair point yeah come I mean, on Neil for crying out loud sorry <laughs> sorry get it right I mean not the... that the pie did me any good with my voice obviously by the sounds of it because I don't have but one the hot dogs at Sixfield <laughs> <laughs> I've never had a spare tenner to spend on one <laughs> you know I've remember? never ever had one of those I'm I had quite one. glad about that I had one against Stevenage did you actually? Yeah, I did, yeah, because I was with my kids, so I, I, they wanted some sweet. I was like, <laughs> I was like right, You're going to say okay. you're showing off. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Look at this, guys. <laughs> you so can have I, some of this. I got them something, and, I, and it made me hungry, so then I went and got myself a hot dog. But do you remember at school, when you used to go to school in the canteen, you used to get those hot dogs wrapped up in, in silver paper? Yes. And with a bit of blue on it, or a bit of red on it, depending. And uh, that's exactly what they are. Basically, they're not very nice at all. School dogs. School dogs, yeah. <laughs> oh dear. But no, yeah, the food was nice. However, the facilities at Salford are dreadful. Really? Yes. Like With all thought, that money. The toilets, if you can yep. call them that, oh. are just four very small port cabins that get very, very flooded very quickly. Oh, that sounds a treat. It was. It, it was horrible, and I mean. It's the fact that, for me, for, for me, as an adult, it's probably not that bad, but there were a couple of people who had kids with them and they're having to take kids into those places and because they were so small as well. People were trying to get into them and there were kids in there who were getting basically squashed and, you know, I did see on Twitter at least one parent say they were in there waiting in the queue with their little boy or girl and more people just tried to get in the door and it was just like well just just stop it there's a, there's another three you can go to but instead people were just trying to ram themselves and cram themselves into the first available one and i mean for for a football ground that has gone undergone such a transformation 
over the last, what, two years? I can't believe that they didn't think what we'll do is we'll make sure that there's some proper toilets. Um, Have you tweeted Gary Neville? Well, I've not, no, because I'm not (laughs) that much of an idiot. Um, (laughs) But I I, kind of get it. Like, at the end of the day, what's he going to do? Is he going to turn around and say, the away fans aren't really their, you know, bread and butter, are they? I mean, you could argue... Well, I don't know. They don't get many home fans. (laughs) (laughs) That's true, but you kind of would think maybe we'll look after the home fans first and foremost. Maybe it is in the pipeline that they are planning to do something with those toilets at the away end. (laughs) There'll be a few things in the pipeline of (laughs) those toilets. They're important, Danny. They don't go into the pipes. (laughs) Why not, though? If if your toilets aren't up to standard, which clearly they're not, why don't you be nice like Exeter are and say, do you know what? We know these aren't great, but we're sorting them out and just put a little poster up. Then you'd be more inclined to just, you know, give them a bit of a chance. But the fact that they're just a mess and they haven't even said sorry about this, well... There you go, then. That's all we need to know, really, isn't it? Yeah, it's a good point. Um, I mean, it, it just wasn't It wasn't great. The, the stadium itself reminds me a lot of Nen Park. Where? Except Nen Rushton. Um, exactly. Um, except for the fact that they don't have one big stand. You know, it, it's all at, everywhere. The whole way around is all at the same height. Um, it is a bit of a bowl, which is weird because it is so small. Um, but, Are you still talking about the ground or the toilets, John? No, oh, hey, uh, no, talking about the ground now, Danny. Um, right, and um, yeah, I mean, it's it's nice. I, I would like. Uh, this is probably going to be um, controversial, maybe, but if six fields could look like that, obviously being big enough to accommodate us as a bigger club than Salford are, then I'd be quite happy as long as the toilets were much better as well than what. What we was have. the um... Out of interest, Charles, you were there, as we can hear from your voice. Mm-hmm. What was the atmosphere like in that sort of bowl environment? Well, from the away end, it was it was quite good. I wouldn't say that actually that the, the fans were as loud, our fans as is, or were as loud as I have experienced before <laughs> um, at away games. But the fact that it is quite a small terrace, so it is literally, <clears> you know, we took, what do we take, just over a thousand fans? 1066. Um, yeah. So there was a small section of seats, uh, which were to our right. Um, and I'd probably say there's may- there was maybe 100 or so in there. Um, and then everybody else was crammed into the terrace. And the terrace, is, the terrace was full. You know, there wasn't mm. any space. Um, so it was good. And it was a good atmosphere, but not quite as good as I've, I've maybe experienced before. I don't know whether that was because of the way the game was going or... Uh, you know what it what it really was but it just didn't quite meet you know didn't quite go to the standard that i've seen before um sounded like it started to get going a bit at the end of the game um yeah when going around, there's that video of them at the end of the game again and seemed to properly be kicking off in celebration then maybe it was just like a nervous thing yeah maybe i mean because to be honest i didn't feel even when salford scored I didn't really feel worried. And I don't know, like I said before, I don't know whether that was because I, I was kind of just enjoying the day out um, more because I was with friends and we were having a few drinks and it was, it was a good day uh, overall. Or whether it was actually that I didn't think the football was from Salford that much to worry about. But I have seen, you know, like people like James Hennigan basically said, I think that 
maybe we met our match with Salford in terms of physicality. And that does make me sort of wonder, was I watching a different game? Well, you had a few beers though, hadn't you? Yeah, a couple. <laughs> were, you, were you able to watch the game, Charles? I, I did. I watched the whole thing and even made sure that the taxi waited at the end. Because I was like, the, the taxi turned up before we were ready to leave, before full-time whistle had been blown. And I was like, well, I'm not leaving until the whistle's gone. Did their fans make any noise? Because I mean, remember when they came to Sixfield, they barely brought any, did they? It was like 150, yeah, it was, wasn't it? It was nothing, wasn't it? Yeah, well, that, so to our left. So I think that this would be the stand where when you're watching the highlights, it'll be the stand you can't see because it's the one the camera's in. But the kind of the back couple of rows in the middle of that stand was a terrace, whereas the rest of it was seating in front of it. And the 20 or so fans there tried to make a bit of noise. But, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't very loud. I don't think the game was, was indicative of, of that kind of atmosphere either, was it? Because it, it was so um, scrappy and, and it wasn't really end-to-end. You can't really describe it as end-to-end, can you? It was kind of just, you know, ugly football, you know, win it ugly, then great. But it's not particularly entertaining. So perhaps maybe if we'd have played in a different style, both teams, then it, it would have been slightly different. But, but may, maybe that atmosphere would be different, but... Again, you don't know. It's very difficult to tell when you don't go every week. Yeah, you're, you're right. I mean, there were, I will say, two great goals from the Cobblers, Sam Hoskins and Andy Williams. Uh, I don't know whether you guys were expecting those goals to be as good as they were. I didn't always. expect. Uh, yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> Danny was always expecting. He dreams of that every night. Um, <laughs> I didn't expect Sam Hoskins to finish that, but it was a hell of a finish, wasn't it? Beautiful. Beautiful. Took it really well. Uh, and Andy Williams, he'd had a couple of chances as well. Um, he did well to keep it down, didn't he? The volley, I mean. Not the penis. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Uh, that escalated quickly. Um, yeah, he, he did. And to be fair, that, that's the kind of thing that you, you expect from Willow. He is a class striker. He is a, a good finisher. And he knows where the back of the net is. Um, and now that he's had this little run in the side, what, what's he started now, the last four games? Um, maybe he's now starting to sort of find his precision a bit more now and we'll see a few more goals go in over the next few games. Uh, this okay. side that we're playing at the mo- playing with at the moment, minus Alan McCormack and, and arguably um, Williams, I'd say is our strongest um, and more, most consistent side. And it's the side where when that team sheet comes out at two o'clock, we all kind of take a bit of a sigh of relief when it's those players on the pitch. I think they've, they've got almost a happy medium now and they seem to be, to be getting some consistency in that team and that helps. I'd say the, the only concern, I guess, the bench is looking a bit weak, I think, at the moment. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I'm uh, a couple of people. Keely Townsend tweeted to say that it was a strong starting eleven, but then there was pretty much nothing on the bench. And the fact that it took so long for Kell to make a substitution yet again, and did we only make one as well? I think I don't. I didn't. No, we made didn't two. Use didn't three, we? Did um, Morgan Roberts came on, didn't he? And um, what's his name? Uh, Razor Warburton, son. Yeah, mm. bagel. <laughs> Yeah, but I mean, they they were quite late substitutions and 
yeah, he didn't use all three. I think that shows as well that there isn't that much on the bench for, for Curl to go to. Um, I certainly would be worried if we were having to change, you know, tactic and, and go for something else. I'm not quite sure that there is that strength to do that. Hopefully that's going to be one of the things that this January transfer window is going to bring us, though. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, I, th- I think we need to sign a few players, don't we? Um Interesting how we've not signed anyone. I know we've been linked to a few players, haven't we? Are we allowed to name who we've been linked to? No, no. Danny Rose. What's wrong with Danny Rose? <laughs> um, oh, it's the other one, isn't it? It's the other Danny Rose. It's not that one. It's not our old player. Danny. It's not another. Yeah. No, not another um, <laughs> ex-player. Because <laughs> no. um, um, Oglethorpe mentioned that on Saturday on the commentary, and I was—I'd not heard that anywhere. That no, I've not seen it or heard it anywhere either. So I don't know whether he just made it up. it's not like Carl's typical type of player either is he from what I've seen what what sort of player is he is it a striker yeah he's a striker but he's a bit more of a kind of nippy striker I'd say than a tall one who (laughs) likes to get the ball into (laughs) is he maybe a replacement for Sam Hoskins don't be ridiculous, Charles. <laughs> I mean, Sam Ho- top scorer, Sam Hoskins, we need to say. Yes. Um, before, before his name. <laughs> um, speaking of um, Sam Hoskins, by the way, as well, there was the um, Oglethorpe was mentioned in <laughs> someone who'd made a bet at the, on, uh, on the, I think it was on the Radio Northampton show, saying that if Hoskins finishes as our top scorer, he's going to get a tattoo of Sam Hoskins' face. Um, <laughs> which I would pay to see happen. <laughs> and it must, it must be getting quite close as well because he's, I mean, he's, he's on eight and someone else is on eight. Willow's on eight, is he as well? Mm. Has he not yeah. got to get 20 goals? To get yeah, this? I think it's I 20, think. isn't it? Oh, is it 20, yeah. is it? Oh, I thought it was top scorer. I thought you just said. No, 20, I think. Sorry, isn't it refreshing that at this point in the, uh, the transfer market that we have not effectively gone out and bought a brand new squad because our squad was inept? I think it's quite a positive thing. I know we've all said, oh, we haven't signed anyone yet and it's the 12th of January. But actually, I would say from putting my past year's cobbler's head on, I think that's quite positive because we haven't had to do it. It hasn't been a desperate Mm. need for players. We're not in a position where if we don't sign anybody, we're going to be in a dire position. We're not going to be. We do need players. Of course we do. Most teams in the league need players, even Swindon now, because they've lost lost Doyle. But Mm. it's it's nice to be able to just kind of say, do you know what? They're all right, and they'll do the job. I think the big thing with that, though, is that it's actually nice that we've had the same manager for now, three consecutive transfer windows. That's a valid point. Well made, Charles. That's incredible. <laughs> I mean, it's been a long time since we can say that. I'm Chris Freestone and it's all cobblers to me. I want to talk about um, the stadium and the update, if you can call it that, from last week's supporters advisory panel. Um, one of the things to come out of that was a, a new update, non-update on the East Stand from... Calvin Thomas, what did we make of it, guys? Uh, it's not an update, is it? Let's be honest. It's well, um, it is an update, but it's not an update, is it? It's a, it's a non. There's nothing new in any of what he said, is there? Not that I can see. No, um, it feels a bit like it's just he 
they, they only kind of printed it because there was that advisory group. Um, if that group wasn't there, he probably wouldn't have come out and said anything because there isn't really an update at the moment. It's just regurgitated. Same same stuff. Good we've heard. Thank you. <laughs> same stuff we've heard every time there is a update as such. Uh it's the same stuff, isn't it? The, the update is there's no update, you know, still going through the process. Some st- some stuff's taking longer than, you know, we feel like we've still got a good relationship, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So no, um, I don't even really read them anymore, which is why I had to check that there was nothing new in it. He's <laughs> <laughs> kind of in the position where he's damned if he does and damned if he doesn't, isn't he, at the minute? It's, just, it's kind of if he comes out and says there's progress and all this when there isn't really then people have a go at him. But then if he doesn't say anything, people will have a go at him again. So it's kind of stuck in that position, isn't it, at the minute? Yeah, he is. You're right. Jesse, what would you actually like to see from the club with regarding this issue at the moment? Um, To be honest, I actually don't think uh, they're in a position to really give us any more than they're already given us, which I know sounds really backwards and it's not what we want to hear as fans. But actually... I think what we forget as Northampton Town fans is that Kelvin Thomas didn't orchestrate this issue with the East End. He fell into it as such. Um, and by well, all uh, He didn't fall into it. He knew, he, he, he knew that there was a problem with the East End when he, he saved the club. So I, sorry, carry on, Chessie. No, it's all right. So, uh, yeah, I get what you're saying completely. He, he knew there was a problem with the East End when he took on the club, like Neil said. But equally, he's not the person responsible for that. And he's not the person or the persons responsible for the issues that are going on with this land. To be honest, I'm in the same kind of boat as Neil. I don't really care. I don't look at them. I don't read them. Until that East Stand is standing again with seats in like a proper stand, I don't care. I really don't. Because it makes me so angry. Not at the club now, because it's, to be honest, I, I treat the East Stand as a separate entity to the club at the moment. But for whatever reason, when we had our previous chairman, it was just shambolic. And actually, I think our club at the moment and our chairman gets a huge amount of flack when he does not deserve it at all. Because actually, he, like Danny said, he's damned if he does. And damned, damned if he... What's the word? He's, he's damned, damned if in distress. <laughs> <laughs> he's damned well. if he does. And he damned, he's damned if he doesn't. And it's, and it's got to the point, actually, where really his hands are tied he can't do anything we just have to be patient and i know we've sat there looking at that god awful stand for six and a half years or whatever it is but we need to look at the context of it i really truly believe we need to look at the east stand as a totally separate thing to the club because actually the people that are in charge of our club at the moment are not the root cause of the issues with the east Stand. yes they're involved right hang hang on right so when 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 Kelvin Thomas and David Bauer took over the club, it is reported that in the first meeting that Kelvin held with the fans, he said that there was four million pound ring fenced to complete the East Stand. So he said that, and we're now what four years on, and it's not been done. So and it's not got a lot to do with money, though, has it? It's all to yeah, do but, with the land and all yeah, to but, do with yeah, the- it has got to do. With Hang it. on, well, there's one other thing here is that also. Last year, the council came out through the supporters' trust saying that there was nothing stopping the club from finishing the stand. And I think what this update has come out and said, a little bit more than what we've heard before, is actually that there are deals being worked out where the the land side of it, so the stuff that's the athletics track and beyond that, 
there's deals trying to be made for that in order to remunerate both the football club and the council. And it seems like the council is saying, well, before you can go ahead and do anything with the land, sell it or regenerate it or whatever, we want you to finish the East Town, which is what you promised. But the club are obviously not quite happy to be in that same position. And I know that, you know, there, there's other things there as well. Like, you know, people are saying, well, the, the people that came out and said this from the council aren't the people that the football club are talking to. But I don't think we can just excuse Kelvin Thomas and the current incumbency at the football club and say, well, it's not really their fault. There was, you know, they did say that they had money to do the East End. They obviously haven't anymore, though. Well, well, this is it. But would you not prefer that they came out and said that? Yep. Yeah, definitely. 100%. If that's the case, then yes. Yeah, because you're, you're absolutely right, Charles. They said, we, you know, we've got X amount ring fans to finish that stand. They could finish that stand at this moment in time if they wanted it. And if they had the money, they could finish that stand at this moment in time. I guess my, my very little knowledge of how it all works and stuff, my guess is that they either don't have the money or they're unwilling to spend their money finishing the East stand in case they don't recoup that money back through the sale of the land for whatever reason that drags on too long and they end up having to hang around for longer than they want to and stuff. So I, I kind of get what Chessie is saying that it's not their fault. We're in this situation. It is, however, their fault is dragged on so long now and it is their fault that it's not been completed because they could complete it. Everyone has admitted that that stand could be completed tomorrow or, or work could start tomorrow, but that's not in their best interests or the, as they say, and we have to trust the best interests of the football club. Do you think, Danny, that because the plans that we saw, me and Neil, when we went and saw him what, over a year ago now, um, seem to be just just redoing and what you know, completing. And, yeah, completing I think plans out. is plans is a stretch, isn't it? it you yeah. know, it's yeah. it's basically just finishing, putting the rest of the seats in, and, and making yeah. it look like a stand. That's yeah. the thing: is is it is it finishing or is it knocking down and starting again? It's not like knocking what? down and starting. It's literally finishing what it is at the minute. It's so my kind of extending is, it to the back, and then yeah, yeah. So my question is: is would you be happy with that? What with what? Just, them just finishing the stand. We're just we're just filling it in with the rest of the seats, putting it back on the stand, making that's it hardly any more seats, is it? No, either. It's about an extra time no, or something. Neil it? said about how you know we're trusting them that it's in the best interests of the football club, but from my understanding, they're not going to knock it down and start again. So the plans aren't going to change, regardless of what happens with the land. So therefore, mm. is that stand going to be when it does get finished? Is it going to be what we need as a football club to move forward? Uh, no, no, the stand in itself isn't, but at least finishing it and feels like there's some way of starting again, if that makes sense. And it's not ideal, but at least finishing it to some extent, even if it looks a little bit similar to what it does before, it still stops us looking at it. It still stops us, stops it being like a legacy of the past chairman. And it means we can move on a bit. Um, whether he then goes and starts looking at building the other parts of the stand, whether a new owner comes in and starts looking at plans again, fine. But, I wouldn't have that many problems with if it's just looks like a stand again and it feels like a whole stadium again um, because it just gives us a sense of finality over that past era and I think that past era is still hanging over us with that stand I, I, I don't think it would ever be finished 
Genuinely, no, genuinely, I don't. I don't think it will ever be finished. I, I don't think. I definitely don't think it will be finished while the current chairman and the current board members are in charge. I, I think there's, in fact, I think there's no way it will be finished while they're in charge. And I think while while the club's up for sale and and they're very keen in say and saying that you know they'll only sell it to you know people with the best interests of the club at heart or, or people, you know, which will help take the club forward and stuff. Anyone can say anything to get hold of a football club. And I mean, look, look at, you know, I mean, look where we're at now with Kelvin Thomas, you know, he said, you know, I'm going to come in, I'm going to finish the stand. We've got 4 million ring fans for us. We're however many years down the line, it's not happened. So anyone can say anything. To, to yeah, you want, you, you want transparency. I do, like, we've said it over and over again. You want transparency from your owner. Um, and you want fans to, to think, even if something's gone wrong and he's lost money or, or whatever, you, you want them to come out and say it. And you want, you want to just know what's going on. Cause then you can just, understand a little bit better the situation right at the moment we've got a history of not being able to trust our chairman and for better or whatever we 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 can't trust the completely the only with the football club at the moment um that's, uh, yeah it, it's how do you how do you start building that trust again um by being open and honest and that again i don't think this statement's completely his his thing coming out and doing an update i think we had we just so happened to have a meeting that somebody asked him a question about it and it got published. I don't think it's him coming out and saying, I want to do an update right now and there's no update. I think that that kind of needs to be a little bit separate to it because it's just circumstance that I think this, this statement's come out. I think there's, it could do so much more with six fields. And I know I mentioned earlier that I went to saints today and I know, you know, saints is a, a, it's a different sport and B they're in a different, you know they're they're in the top league of of rugby. Sometimes, sometimes feels like the same sport, doesn't it? <laughs> it does sometimes. <laughs> some of the stuff we've watched, doesn't it? But the the, the pre-game experience at Saints is it's, it's about twenty-five different levels above what the pre-game experience is at, at Six Fields, and it, it it's set up for the fans. And you know, there's it's the first time I've been, and I won't go back because I don't really like rugby, but at all in fact i hate rugby i didn't even know what's going on but um the pre-game experience you know you go through your, your turnstile and then you're into this sort of open area and there's about 10 different types of food trucks around four different four or five different bars around and there's a big sort of canopy with seating underneath it and stuff and there was a some dude playing a live guitar and then they were interviewing a player who was injured on the stage and stuff and it's things like that and you know i know we've tried but what we've got is very tin pot in that respect isn't it i mean uh, can you remember remember when we had that marquee and, and why can't. not john though <laughs> <laughs> and why we weren't allowed to have it up there permanently can you was it something to do with the planning permission or something is this the marquee well, that was in front of the restaurant no, didn't we have no, one? We had one behind the, the north stand, didn't we? Yeah. Like for the beer festival and stuff. Oh, right. Well, why don't we? Why don't we pay to have a permanent, a permanent fixture there? Good question. Uh, and and you know get you know then the you know the DJ guy I forget his name is it Matt is it that's the mm -hmm. DJ I think so. he, he does a good job right and but at the moment you know if it's hammering it down and stuff he, if if he's not under the north stand if he's outside the 
West End, he's going to get soaked and stuff, isn't he? And stuff. Mm. And it's just a, a better environment for fans and stuff. And I'm sure there's probably something around it about uh, the cost or, or security of it or whatever and stuff. I mean, there must be a way of, of making it more secure or whatever, even if it's going to cost a bit of money and stuff. What, what, I guess my point is that we don't, the, the club doesn't think about the fans enough, in my opinion. In, they did, did, did the very minimum. And then they do the smallest amount possible to keep the fans ticking over and to look look after them. And look, Saints have got a lot more money. They've got their their the space they have is a lot more. It's all theirs and it's enclosed and all that sort of stuff. So it's a lot easier for them. But there must be ways around it, and there must be things we can do. Yeah, it might cost a bit of money, but ultimately, a better match day experience for the fans can't harm, can it? Yes, we've won these awards and stuff, but ultimately you don't necessarily realise until you go to other places. And this other place that I've gone to is just around the corner. And if I was a, just a general sports fan, and obviously I'm a, I'm a diehard Cobblers fan, but if I was a general sports fan and I went to Cobblers and then I went to Saints, there's only one place I'd be going back to and that'd be Saints. Equally, equally we do need to take a little bit of a step back from what you've said, because I think what you've said is really valid, Neil. But you need to look at League Two as a whole and where the club are at the moment and compare our stadium to the, the stadiums that we go up and down the country to. And we're not too dissimilar. And I think the comparison between Saints and Cobblers, although they're in the same town, they're, what, a mile away, you can see the stadiums from each other. You do have a really valid point. We do need to make sure the fans are accounted for and the fans are given that kind of pre-match experience and entertainment and the experience of the day. But you also have to consider that this is League Two and the basics of League Two is to scrap out of that league and get the job done and then move on from there. And because we've had these steps backwards in our footballing um, terms of the club, we struggle with the other things and, and with that comes money. So I think it's, it's a difficult comparison to make. Yeah, I agree. I think it's a fair shout. Um, but equally, I don't think we should, just because we're you know similar to most of the clubs at our level, doesn't mean we should be happy with that. No, I agree. I agree. I, I, I've seen some, some um, messages on social media saying how we're not a very progressive club. Um, we're not. Look at the, you know, the issue. One of the other things that came out uh, recently, I think it was at that, that, that supporters panel thing, um, was about the safe standing and how there was a survey that the club put out themselves and it was something like 80% of the people that filled that form in that survey were in favour of safe standing. But now Kelvin Thomas has said that there are a few people who have said that they're season ticket holders, but they won't be if safe standing gets put in place. And it does seem as though it's being put on the back burner. And so we'll all, you know, an awful lot of people on Twitter are saying, well, we want safe standing the survey came out and said that the majority wants it. Why are we now pandering to a minority? And it does feel like it, it's basically just because we're afraid of being, you know, progressive. We're afraid of being like a, a, a first to go and do something. Probably costs money. You, you, you can say that, but why they haven't said that, have they? Well, I, I personally, <laughs> I personally think that if they came out and said, "Look, right now, we don't have the time or the money to do this," then that would be received much better than just saying one or two seasons ticket holders have said that they won't give us their two hundred pound again next season. I, I think you know you you do have to take into account everyone's everyone's opinions, I guess. But you're not going to please everyone, and you're not going to please everyone all the time, are you? So. Uh, <laughs> 
for those, I don't know, I don't know how many people have voiced their opinion about moving from or, or not renewing their season ticket, but I think I'd be inclined to probably give the North Stand a bit of a try if it was safe standing um, over the West Stand where I sit at the moment. Um, could, could you not do a deal with those people in, in the North Stand that, that don't want safe standing? I don't know how many there is, but could you not offer them a, a season ticket you know, a reduced cost for the first season, next season, when after safe standing comes in in the East End or something. Surely there's ways around it. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I mean, the one thing that I will say, you've actually said there, which is really good, is that, yeah, offer them the chance to go in, you know, have the same ticket price in a different part of the ground. But that'll only be done for one season. And maybe that's where people were thinking to themselves, well, that's fine. You're going to give it to me for one season. But if you didn't put the safe standing in, I could go and have that same ticket price for the next two, three, four, five seasons. We've got to prioritise as a club as well. We're, we're still talking about um, safe standing, but actually we've just come from that route of actually we need to get an East End finish first as well. So I think if from the club's point of view, they need to prioritise certain things. And I would say Kelvin Thomas, his first priority really should be the East End. Whether it is, I don't know, but it should be. And I think actually safe standing is a great idea and it seems to be well received, but do we need it ahead of the East End? My opinion to that is no, we don't. We need the East End sorted. I'm Alan Neal and it's all cobblers to me. Right, well, well, let's move on and let's talk about the next game in the promotion push, which is at home to Morecambe. And the other day, when I still had a voice, I spoke to Morecambe fan Joel Shooter. Welcome back to the podcast, Joel. It's nice to hear from you again. Are you okay? Yeah, I'm well, thank you. I'm well. Been quite a turbulent sort of year for Morecambe, really. Your joint bottom of League Two, along with Stevenage, on 18 points. Only one goes down, though, this season, after Barry's demise, of course. Are you worried? Obviously a little bit worried, uh, but that Macclesfield situation as well is looking quite precarious as well, so that could be... Unfortunately, another thing to say was not not wishing Macclesfield to go down any uh, at all. But obviously, that that could be another factor that plays obviously towards our survival. But uh, yeah, it's been pretty negative so far. But hopefully, uh, with the new signings this uh, January transfer window, uh, a little bit under, under Derek Adams, we can pick up a little bit. Well, Jim Jim Bentley obviously was in charge of Morecambe for, what, nearly 11 years, something like that? Um, maybe not quite 11, actually, thinking about it. About eight years, isn't it? Um, but he left at the end of October, and he left for AFC Filed in the conference. Now, to me as an outsider, that came as a bit of a shock. But was that surprising for you as a Morecambe fan? Uh, obviously, to me, it's like, just whatever the circumstances, it was always going to be a shock when he left and when that time did come. I think... At the, at the time, obviously, I don't know if you've seen about uh, the stuff with the owners. I think you saw eye to eye with the, the new owners. Mm. And there was an incident with a Facebook poll where they accidentally, uh, their, their finger accidentally flipped and clicked on an option that was sacked after a few games and whether Jim Bentley should keep his job or not. <laughs> so uh, basically, that caused a bit of tension. I don't think, he's, from what, what I've been able to tell, I don't think he's ever really got on, on particularly well with them. And obviously, the uh, AFC file job came up there, an ambitious club in the National League and obviously have a bit of money behind them and you can see why he got tempted to go there to Dennis and like obviously he's sad because he's been at the club for such a long time I think that he kind of reached the end of a cycle almost the end of his tether with us if I'm perfectly honest I think he's a better manager than he's shown in the last couple of seasons I think after all the uh, dealing with all the rubbish from 
players not being paid and himself not being paid. Obviously, players who he signed, it hasn't really quite gone to plan in the last couple of seasons. He's had to kind of basically rely on January to kind of uh, get us out of a bit of trouble. I think maybe he's kind of reached, run out of ideas, reached the end of his tether at Morecambe, which to me is completely understandable. But it'll be nice to see him have a chance to thrive in a new environment and uh, it'll be good to see where Derek Adams can take us. Yeah, I mean, Derek Adams was actually another surprise, really, to us outsiders. I mean, do you see it as a bit of a coup to get him as your new manager? Definitely. Massive coup. Obviously, like, he's got a great record with Plymouth. Obviously, took him from not a too dissimilar position to ourselves. Took him up, you know, took him, uh, up to League One after a couple of seasons. Obviously, didn't end up too well there. But, you know, that, you know, it was always going to be difficult trying to survive in League One. And then, obviously, he's had a good record with Ross County. Uh, from what I can tell, he seems to be a project manager. He quite likes the project. Obviously, he took over Plymouth when they were near the bottom. And Lost County aren't a big club in Scotland. So, I mean, Morecambe's quite a project and they're quite a challenge. So, hopefully, he can kind of rise to the air. It feels like a big coup to get in. Yeah, since Adams took over, you've won just the one league game. But have you seen a difference in the team since he's come in? Definitely. There's, there, we've been quite unlucky at times, I think, uh, I went to a New Year's Day away at Bradford and that was, we, we were a lot better than Bradford on the whole, I thought. I thought we, we kind of, we, we basically, under Adams, we kind of played the attritional side of the game a lot better. We've been a lot more organised. Uh, we pressed a lot better. And we put, and like, you know, first 15 minutes against Bradford, we absolutely hammered them down the right-hand side uh, with a press, but unfortunately it wasn't to be that day. But yeah, he, I think he's got a quite organised uh Quite good at winning, a bit better at winning territory and asserting our control in matches, but obviously the struggle still has been a little bit of quality in the final third, and then just having a little bit of control in terms of when we're on the ball. Sometimes we can get hold of the ball, but we don't always keep it particularly well. I think we just need a bit more quality, uh, a bit more confidence maybe, and just hopefully cut out a few silly little errors at the back as well. Yeah, you've made a couple of dips into the transfer window, haven't you? Signed two lads on loan from Burnley, I understand, pretty early on into the window. Um, any other players that you're expecting to come in or or just what can you tell us about those that you've already signed? Well, obviously, uh, Derek Adams has kind of dipped back into uh, who we had at Plymouth. So he's obviously signed uh, Timani uh, Diagawaga, who is, looks like a fantastic player. Obviously, he's been in the Championship with Brentford and League One. He looks like a brilliant player. Uh, I think reading things on Twitter and social media, I think he didn't have the best spell at Swindon uh, recently. But you know, he looks like you know, I've seen a few pictures on the website. He looks in shape, looks ready to go. So hopefully, he can be a big boost in the field. And obviously, we've got Jordan Slew, who was also with Adams at Plymouth. Obviously, quite a pacey player, but has struggled a bit in the football league recently. He was down in the National League North, so hopefully, he can kind of uh, bring. You know, a, a rejuvenated version of himself back in the football league. I think he, uh, what what people seem to agree on is he, he's very quick, and that's something we actually lack massively in our side. We've got some quite uh, technically good footballers in AJ Lake Smith and uh, Carlos Mendes Gomez going forward, but we haven't got any pace. And with the two lads from Burnley, we're not, they're, they're quite an unknown quantity, to be honest. Like I think uh, Cooney was at uh, Barry last season, wasn't he? And uh, we haven't seen much of Phillips so hopefully they can both bring a bit quality I expect maybe a, t- a target man to come at some point I think uh, Ryan Taylor's been rumoured because obviously uh, apparently he's on his way out of Plymouth and he was another one that played under Rand but we'll have to see 
Do you think that, I remember when I spoke to our manager Keith Curl back in the summer, he said that when he was Carlisle manager, he sometimes found it a bit difficult to get players to agree to the move because obviously Carlisle being in the location that they are, right at the top of the country, they're a little bit out of the way. I know Morecambe isn't that as far north as Carlisle, but do you think that that maybe was something that Jim Bentley might have struggled with, whereas Derek Adams has obviously got players that played for him before and were successful under him before, so maybe that might lure the players into you a bit better now? Yeah, potentially, yeah, because obviously this is for the Jim Bentley's first ever managerial job, and obviously he's been it for a while, and he built up a, a good reputation as a good man manager, but obviously he hadn't had that history with players that he can maybe uh, call upon like Derek Adams can, I mean, I think, obviously, like you say, we're not quite Carlisle, but we're a little bit, Morecambe's a little bit remote and, uh, and quite far north. But, yeah, obviously, it's not quite the same difficulty with Carlisle, but it's still probably not the most desirable place. But I think that's probably a lot of League Two clubs aren't always the most desirable locations. But uh, I think hopefully we can get some more uh, decent players in and continue to build the squad. So moving on to our game then on Saturday, what are your thoughts on it? Are you, are you worried about the game for you guys or, or are you just sort of actually thinking maybe Derek Adams can can do a good job and, and maybe against one of the, well, I, I say top teams in the league. I mean, we're ninth at the moment as we record this, but, uh, you know, I like to think that we're better than we are maybe. Yeah, I mean, it'll certainly be an interesting game. Obviously, uh, what I've gathered uh, with Dane Oliver becoming quite a big part of the side, uh, Keith Hill has implemented quite a cross-heavy uh, direct style football. Would that, would that be right to a scene, baby? Uh, yes, I, I think uh, lump it up to Vidane and let Vidane do his magic is pretty much our game plan at the moment, yeah. <laughs> well, especially with Nicky Adams on the wing as well, so obviously he's got a good crossing threat. But uh, I think, uh, yeah, it's, it's one of those that, like, to be honest, I'm, I'm not entirely sure. We still need to kind of see how the new players really bed in and what we kind of, what they bring to the side and how we can perform with them but obviously yeah, it will be a challenge it's interesting to see how well the Dane Oliver has done uh, at Northampton recently obviously a lot of Morecambe fans didn't like him very much I thought they were harsh I thought he wasn't played in a particularly smart way with us he was often deployed as a lone target man which isn't I feel like isn't really his style I think he needs players around him because he wins slick on and he kind of bullies defenders out of the way and he makes space for others and he, he was doing that for us, but there was nobody to exploit that space. But uh, I think like who we've got now, Cole Stockton, is probably a bit better suited to being on his own and trapping the ball. But if you get players around Oliver and he can knock a few defenders out of the way and win a few pick-ups, he's incredibly dangerous. Uh, yeah, we, we've certainly seen that from him so far this season. I mean, maybe he's not quite got the goal return that, that he would like, um, but he's turning into a bit of a fan's favourite here, to be honest with you. Yeah, I think he, I think like goals isn't really. I'm like, to us, I just get the feeling that goals aren't necessarily a big part of his game. He's all about the support. Like, well, we he had a decent pass and a decent cross in him as well, actually. Yeah, he's doing quite well. So let's get a prediction for you then, Joel. Um, what do you think is going to happen? Uh, I think it'll be interesting. I think obviously our defenders have you know played against uh, Oliver last season. I think we can be a little bit weak at stopping crosses at times. So maybe that'll play into Northampton's hands a bit. But uh, at the same time, we're continuing to evolve as a unit together. I think we've got some, you know, we've got some real added quality in the side with uh, with uh, Tamani in centre midfield. So I think it could be a quite uh, quite a close game in the end. 
Brilliant. Thanks very much for joining us, Joel, and all the best. No worries, Have a good one. Thanks to Joel Shooter, our resident Morecambe fan there. And now over to Danny, who loves looking at opposing teams. What are you thinking about Morecambe, Danny? Anything interesting jumping out at you? Well, first thing's obviously got to be, you forgot to give it its rightful title of the Verdane Oliver Derby. That's <laughs> um, the first thing. Secondly, <laughs> secondly, the first thing when when uh, you think of Morecambe, you just think Kevin Ellison, don't you? So <laughs> he's uh, he's scored one goal this season, um, and we all know who that was against. Um, <laughs> but he did he didn't get in the squad. Um, interestingly, on Saturday um, for the first, they only had six players on the bench. Oh, um, name that bench. Rest in peace. No, that's the thing, because he then came out on Twitter and said, so for the first time since 2007, when fit and available for selection, I can't even make the spare seat on the Judy, which I can only think he's referring to, the Judy Dench hmm. bench. Um, um, any experts in Cockney rhyming slang can correct me there, but that's what I think it means. Um, so, yeah, he's whether that means he's on his way out, I'm not sure. They've got a new manager fairly recently, haven't they, Derek Adams? Um, who seems to be making quite a few changes. They've signed four players already this week since the start of the transfer window. Um, so he might be on his way out, old Kevin Ellison, but then again, he may well just roll off the bench somewhere and just stand somewhere and the ball hits him and goes in because that's what usually happens against us, isn't it? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's one of those games, isn't it, that I'm always a little bit like, well, we should be winning. But then the last couple of seasons, we haven't done that, have we? We've not. And they came from, was it two, that we were 2 0 up? It was one of those games, wasn't it? Mm. That they came back and scored two, and he just stood on the goal line and scrambled it in um, earlier in the season. Um, but yeah, I mean, Derek Adams seems to be make his, like I said, he's signed four new players. One of them scored against Colchester on Saturday. Um, and he's a pretty decent manager for this level, I think, Derek Adams. So you would think, going back to what Chessie was saying earlier, they seem to be in that kind of position where we were, where we have been the last few years, where everything needs to change in January. And they're, they're making all these big, well, not big signings, but signings um, to just try and have a new, fresh look at the squad. And hopefully we're in a position where we're not doing that at the moment and can just take advantage of them still getting used to each other or players going in and out. And they're, I mean, they're still going for to try and save themselves with that there's that one relegation spot isn't there and quite happy to see Graham Wesley in it at the moment mm-hmm. but uh, it looks like one of one of uh, one of Morecambe or Stevenage to to take that last place or the only place doesn't it yeah so, it, something on it for them as well yeah it does yeah I mean that is it isn't it and, and that's one of the things I sort of said to Joel was you know there's only that one space and of course he brought up the issue potentially with Macclesfield we don't know what's going to happen there um but I think it's fair to say that the Morecambe fans are slightly concerned that it could be them going down this season. Um, right, we are running out of time, so let's go straight to some predictions, shall we? Um, Jesse, what do you think about Morecambe on Saturday? I think it's a, it's a dangerous game in respect that of what Danny said. They've got a new manager and four, new, four or five new players. They could punish us just because they are getting getting used to those new players and therefore on a bit of on a bit of a high and, and want to impress um but i would like to think that we have enough 
in the tank as such to to get around them and to to put in a decent performance what i'd like to see is if we do pull off a decent performance is to get a few goals because looking at the playoff places at the moment goal difference could really come into things towards the next couple of months and we really do if we are going to beat teams we need to slaughter them i'd like to see us win three nil I'd like to see us win three 0 as well. I'd Doesn't like mean to see I think that's what's going to happen. And I think I think we might win three 0 and I think that the Dane Oliver's going to get a hat trick. Yes. Oh, get in! <laughs> Come on. That's if he gets one, I'll be on the, on the pitch. All of us will be on the pitch if he gets a goal. All of us. I will drive down the M6 <laughs> the moment that he scores. <laughs> Brilliant, uh, Danny. What's yours? Um, I'm going for 4-1 because uh, Kevin Ellison's definitely going to score either way whether he's playing or not he'll come on and score <laughs> <laughs> even if he's um, not on the bench <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> he'll just wander on um, he'll score later on but we'll already, already be 4-0 up like then so uh, obviously Sam Hoskins too um, I'm going to go for Chris Lines who's going to actually touch the ball um, <laughs> <laughs> and it's going to fly into the top corner and then he will get a rollicking from Keith Curls for actually touching the ball um, so he'll be brought off um, and then obviously Vidane will pop up he's, he's, he's got to score hasn't he he's just there it's there for him it's got to hasn't it it has got to I'm going for 2-0 to the Cobblers and Vidane's going to get both uh, and we're all going to go absolutely wild with joy it's going to be a marvellous occasion I think <laughs> Neil, your last as always. Uh, Neil, Neil, <laughs> <Last> Neil. <as laughs> always. <laughs> okay, is that really your prediction? Yeah, Neil, Neil. Neil, Neil. Okay, good. <laughs> well then, in that case, <laughs> why don't you pop along to six rooms to watch uh, an absolute thriller? Digger. <laughs> Ashley Corker. <laughs> nice. Marvellous. We will be back this time next week. Thank you very much. Don't forget, fill in that survey. Get yourself in with a chance of winning a pair of tickets to a game at Sixfields at some point this season. And we will be back next week. Thank you very much for being here, everyone. It's been great talking to you and see you again later. Bye. Support the podcast on Patreon by joining the It's All Cobblers To Me fan club. Every month, you'll receive access to exclusive bonus content, such as our Meet the Staff series, hear our player interviews before anyone else, and be invited to regular meetups. By joining the fan club, you'll be helping us to continue our sponsorship of NTFC women's player Abby Bruin and enable us to keep the podcast and all our other content going to the high standards you expect. To join the fan club, go to patreon.com forward slash cobblers to me.